Okay. Um, I thought I should share this this morning. Didn't want to. Hello. Okay. So sometimes I can be kind of negative and kind of down in the dump sometimes and trying to not be that way and trying to be more thankful and have an atmosphere of thankfulness. <clears throat> in my workplace, there's a lot of negativity going on in there and uh, it just breeds negativity and it's like, oh man, I'm trying not to be this way, but they keep sucking me in. <laughs> there's this line in the Godfather where he's like, every time I try and get out, they bring me back in. <laughs> but, um, and that's how I feel sometimes. I try and be, yeah, the, the light, you know, God's light. But uh, sometimes I just look like them, just me, me. <laughs> and, and it's a process working it out. Um, I find when I sing, and I sing in tongues, that just thankfulness, just no negativity can, can be in that atmosphere. Nothing, nothing bad is in that message when I'm praising God. And uh, it just turns me around. It really does. It turns my whole head around. Like, whoa, I needed that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I wrote some things too. I'm sorry. Oh, Jackie, uh, last November you said you were going through some hard stuff and Asking when, asking God when things will change, and He said, "Will you worship me anyways? Because I have good plans for you." And uh, your response was, "Of course, yes." And, uh, if you're going through hard stuff, just keep worshiping God. Just keep worshiping God. Keep, keep going to the altar and kneeling down. There was this. Uh, I heard this story on the radio this week. And there's a man in England, and his dog got into this sewer pond. It's like a lagoon or something like that. And he jumps in and saves his dog and throws the dog out. But he gets stuck. And uh, hours later, the only thing visible was his mouth and his nose. I think his eyes were covered. And they, the rescuers found him, and he was singing. They found him because he was singing. And uh, just imagine the worst possible <laughs> scenario. And he's just in there singing. And uh, I think sometimes when we're in our sewers of life and, and it, you know, it's just surrounding us, we just, just sing, just sing to the Lord. I was listening to this Jesus Culture song this morning. The song is called Defender. And the lyrics go, all I could do is worship. All I could do is worship. She talks about all I could do is kneel. All I could do is sit. All I could do is stand still. All I could do is worship. My song will be my warfare. Praise will become breakthrough. A song will become my triumphant. Our victory is in you. Our victory is in you. So, just keep singing. Mike, keep singing. Amber, keep singing. Dave, keep singing. All of you guys. Bless you. So, yeah, Tommy's going to bring the word, but I'm just, I wanted to share uh, just a little bit, just a small bit here. Um, 
being, and Nick, thanks for sharing that, because I also feel <laughs> like the guy in the sewer pond sometimes. Uh, it's like all this showing, I love that. It's like <laughs> just his nose and his mouth, like he can sing still, and he, he was. And I just, I love that. Um, and I can just say, I don't know, the last year or two, but it just kind of is increasing. I just feel like I'm under more pressure than I have been in a very long time and just uh, maybe ever, <laughs> maybe all-time high. But um, just to say that God is faithful, and I'm going to read out of Isaiah 6. And uh, we were singing about this a few songs ago. Uh, it says in the, this is verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. Like, he sees God. <laughs> and uh, he's sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who was calling out while the temple was filled with smoke. And then Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And I just was thinking of that because it's like, you know, we're like the cry of my heart, and I know the cry of your guys' heart is to is to see the Lord, like to draw near to him, you know, show me your heart. And the funny thing is, is like when we start to see that, <laughs> one of the results of that is like, oh, man, <laughs> we kind of look at ourselves and we're like, oh, I'm unclean. <laughs> like you are filled with light. You know, God is light and there is no darkness in him. And it's like it just it reveals our own areas where it's like, I am falling way short in this stuff, you know, and, uh, but then it's like, God, like his heart is like just by nature, you know, to show us his glory, to show us himself, reveal himself, and then, it, but for us to become like him, he has to expose that stuff, like his light just exposes the darkness that's, that's in us and around us, and and he has an answer for it, though. Like, he's he's like, I'm going to, you know, he takes the, the burning coal and he touches Isaiah's lips. And he, he cleanses him, really cleanses him. And then he says, your sin is forgiven. And, you know, just like we were saying just now with the cross, like, that's exactly <coughs> what he does in our lives. Is You know, we, we draw near to him, we see him. We see stuff in our own life, like, so for me, I'm under a lot of pressure, and it's like exposing all kinds of stuff in my heart where I'm like, man, I'm not responding to that very well, 
and to that very well, and to this other thing very well. <laughs> like, I see uncleanness in me. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you guys, like, if, if anyone else is in that boat, like, to not give up, to continue praising him like Nick was saying, and um, to realize that when that's happening, it's because God is drawing near to you, not because he's far away. Does that make sense? Because in my mind, it's it's easy to be like, oh, you know, I just like, God has forsaken me, of course, because because of my uncleanness and stuff. And, and he's like, no, I'm actually really close. Like, I'm drawing near to you. Um, and I'm just going to read one verse out of First John, and then Tommy can bring the rest here. So John and First John says, and this is the message that we've heard from him, from Jesus, who I would say is the exact one that Isaiah saw. Like, I believe he saw the Messiah. And uh, it says, this is the message that we've heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's exactly what Isaiah experienced, and that's what Jesus manifested when he came here. That's what he shed even more light on. So that's it. Am I on? Do you hear me? Awesome. I am going to move this up a little bit because I like to see. My body goes the way of all the earth and my eyes are going with it. Habits. Actually, the title of this one is Habit, Habit, Habit. <laughs> we all have them, don't we? <laughs> and once we have a habit, <laughs> Can you do that? Fix it for me? Oh, there's a thing. There's a thing well, in there. Okay. He just, yeah, we'll blame it on Kenny. That works. <laughs> okay, so once we have a habit, it's like an act of God to change it, isn't it? Do you have any idea how true that really is? <laughs> but you know, not all habits are awful. We look at habits a lot of times as they're really, really horrible, bad, no good things for us, right? But some habits are actually pretty good to have. Like, when I was a kid, taking a shower was not my idea of a good time. My mom, on the other hand, thought it should be. And my mom had a bad back. Some of you can understand this. She had a very curvy spine, and it curved kind of like in two or three different ways at once. She had bad discs because of that, because discs are meant to cushion between those pieces of bone, but they can't really cushion when things are always twisting and out of line. She spent about three months one time in traction, at home, in bed, with a back brace on, and she would tell my sister and I to go take a bath. So we would go into their bathroom, and we would turn on the shower water, and we would wash our faces in the sink, and we would turn the shower water off and walk out. 
Okay, now my mom was nowhere near where she could see any of this. Their bedroom actually was at the way other end of the hall there. And she would holler out before we even got out the door good, turn that water back on and get in it. And we were like, how does she do that, right? Well, because my mom never ever stopped hounding us about that, I have actually turned myself around, and I enjoy, yeah, good. <laughs> I enjoy being clean. And if I have to get into a shower and get wet all over to do it, that's okay. That's what it takes, right, to get clean. It's what I used to be is dirty. But that's a good habit. And a habit, when we do it over and over and over again, it becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of what we do. Now, Jesus, there are some awful habits out there, right? There, there really are. And we, we've kind of talked around them this morning, and I almost came, I came like this close to maybe not even preaching this morning because you guys already did it for me, but I'm still going to preach. He gives us a way out of some of our really awful habits. Let's take just one habit. Complaining. It can be a habit. It can be a spirit. And complaining takes us to the book of Jude. Tiny little book. It's not even hardly even a full chapter. It's that, it's that little sliver of a couple of pages right in front of Revelation. And going over, starting at verse 16, is where Jude starts talking about some of the awful habits that some of us have developed or fallen into, or maybe we live in and we don't even realize it, that we're there. Um, you know who Jude was, right? He was Jesus' brother. How many of you realize, and this was a real shock to one of the Catholic ladies I was talking to one time. Do you realize that Mary didn't stay a virgin her whole life? Jesus had brothers and sisters. You can look it up in Matthew. He had at least four brothers and sisters in the plural. So there were at least two sisters. So that's a minimum of seven kids for Mary and Joseph to be raising and maybe more than that. Jude's letter is, like I said, really, really short, barely even a chapter long. And it's, it doesn't say specifically which church he's writing to. It, it could be, this could be one of those circulating letters that just went round and round and round all the churches and was read everywhere, pretty much. And it's not a fun read, either. And by the time you get done with Jude, the first time I read it, I felt like, oh my gosh, Lord, that two by four is more than I can take. Um, it's like when you're reading Jude, it's like, it's like going to the doctor and having him do all of his stuff and then look at you and say, you're doing it wrong. I, I don't know about you, but I don't like to hear those words, especially from a guy who really doesn't know me, right? But sometimes... We need to be told to our faces when we're messing up, that we are in danger of keeping or shaping some bad habits. 
And complaining is one of those bad habits that Jude writes about. And when you read Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus, Exodus is kind of a fun read. I don't know about you, Numbers can get a bit overwhelming. Math is not my strong suit, I promise. When we get, by the time we get to Leviticus, I'm so lawyered out, I could just almost not even want to read what's in there. But if you read it out loud, you're going to find like every half a chapter. And the Israelites complained. And the Israelites complained. And the Israelites complained. I mean, they did a lot of complaining. I think God said something like, 10 times in the first month that they complained and God had to do something about it. I don't know about you, but I, I get tired of reading it. God got tired of hearing it. Moses even got tired of it. He said, get me out of here. It gets really old. These are grumblers, complainers, Walking according to their own lusts. You know what your own lusts are? They're your own desires. They're your own wants. They're your own feelings sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time. We base what we want on what we're feeling. Like right now, we really, really want a sandy beach with a lot of sun and some warm water lapping over our toes. Yeah, that's what we really, really want, right? We don't really have that right now because we never want what we have. A little bit further down. <laughs> Remember what the apostles said, how they told you there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own Ungodly lusts, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. He's talking to Christ followers here who have no idea that they've fallen off the wagon. We're mired. You know what the word mired means? It means to be stuck in and fixed in deep mud, right? We live in Wyoming. We know mud. We forget about it, but we know it. There is cottonwood season. There is haying season. There is snow season. And immediately after snow season, we have mud season, don't we? It's that nasty, dirty, sticky stuff that the dog drags in on the white carpet, that the kids drag in on the freshly mopped kitchen floor. I've never really had one of those, but you know. Um, it's what your husband walks in. We just got back from hunting, right? And you know who hates mud the worst? The one who's trying to keep the floors cleanish. And it's God who wants to keep our souls clean who hates sin. Same difference. It's just that's a physical and this is a spiritual, but spiritual affects everything. Our feelings seem to be the golden calf of our world these days. Everything's about how we feel. What, do we, what we think is based on how we feel. Search your feelings, Luke. 
you know them to be true. Yeah. Darth Vader said it. Yoda said it. Obi-Wan said it. The entire world around us says it. It's our mantra these days. And as usual, Satan has taken a spiritual truth and twisted it just a little bit because our feelings are really real. But our feelings are not always true. And if we're not paying attention, we're going to be vulnerable. Even Christians who know better can be vulnerable to that mantra. Really? Do I grumble? No. No, I don't grumble. Really? Let's bring up a conversation about Congress. Mm-hmm. Do I complain? Do you complain? Well, I'm glad to see we've got a lot of honest people here because I'm going to say, really, no, you don't. Have you been married for more than five minutes? <laughs> Do you have a job, a boss, a teacher, a sibling, or a parent in your life? Hmm, amazing that. Do, have I ever told someone one thing and then gone over here and told some, somebody else, you know what they're doing over there is really wrong, they shouldn't be doing that, like behind their back? Well, not so much anymore. I've done it upon occasion, but not so much anymore. Do you realize that not so much means you're still doing it? When we live in our feelings, we are the causers of division. Verse 19, these are sensual persons. Sensual meaning we live in our feelings. We live in the now. We live in the natural. Causing divisions not having the spirit. And the biggest division that we cause, the biggest division that we cut to ribbons is the one between ourselves and God when we do that. Now let's, let's get something a little clear here. Having a valid complaint is not the same thing as being a complainer, right? Having a valid complaint is what's going to get Roe versus Wade turned over. Having a valid complaint is why when you do a job, you get paid for it. You realize that wasn't always a thing? It is now because somebody had a valid complaint. Oh my goodness, really? But here's the difference between having a valid complaint and a complainer. If all you're going to do is walk around grumbling under your breath and spreading your feelings all over everybody else like they're peanut butter, maybe you could, should consider that it's possible you might actually be one of those real complainers. Nothing is ever right. Nobody ever does things the way I say they should be done. My body is never the right size. I'm always sick, I'm always taken advantage of, I never have enough money or time or cooperation. 
and how do we get, how do we break out of this ingrained mindset, this habit of complaining about the weather? Because you know when it gets warm this summer, we're all going to be saying, oh, I wish it would snow just a little bit. I do. Gets over 100. I want some snow. How do we break that yoke? How do we loose that bond? How do we untie our minds from that awful habit? And I think the first thing that I found, anyway, that is most helpful is to go down a rabbit trail. So I want you to switch over. Keep your finger on Jude because we're coming back to it. But switch over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 4, the love chapter, <laughs> right? I've changed my mind about this little bit, of a, little, this little bit, a few string of verses here. I used to think that this was just a grocery list of attributes that I had to collect, like going to God Mart and filling my cart up once a week. The Holy Spirit aisle has the brand name canned patience, right? And the high-grade kindness vitamin. And you go, if you go over to the Jesus produce, that's where you find the organic hope in stock. And I paw through some of those bunches, and I might taste one here and there to make sure I get the right one, you know, and put it in my cart, and off I go. And when I get home, I look, and I realize I'm a few, few, a few fruits short of what was on my list. You know why these attributes are impossible for us? Because these are God's attributes. When God says he loves us, this is what he's talking about. These are God's attributes. This is God's list. This is what God's love is like. This is how God rolls. This is how God looks at me. I know, go ahead and laugh. But that's also how God looks at you. How God looks at his children. This is the God who lives in me. This is the same God who lives in you. Remember what Peter said last summer? He must have made a huge impact because this is like the fourth or fifth time one of us has mentioned it up here. If Jesus is in you, everywhere you go, there he is. And if Jesus is in you, then guess where God's love is? In me, in you, in us. Let's head back to Jude again. Starting at verse 20, another laundry list. Don't you just love lists? But you building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, you look at that, and, and that, the way I looked at that the first time I read it was the same way I looked at 1 Corinthians. This is all the stuff that 
I've got to do. But we have brains. God's given us brains. And he ex actually expects us to use them. So if we tweak our minds a little bit and think about these words from God's perspective, if we have Jesus in us, our faith is already holy. Our faith comes from Jesus. If Jesus is in us and our faith comes from him, our faith is already holy. It may not be completely mature yet, but it's not coming from, oh, what's the word I want to use when you take and meld two different types of seeds together and get a single plant? Graft. It's not a grafted in kind of a thing. Thank you. So if my faith is already holy, am I developing the habit to say things through that faith filter? Do my words match what my faith is? Am I choosing to say things that build up myself and others? Because listen, Kenny said something about selfishness a couple of weeks ago and how hard it was not to be selfish because everywhere you go, there you are. Yeah, well, everything you look at is what you see. And everything you say is what you hear. So am I saying things that build up or am I saying things that tear down? And sometimes we have to figure out and think ahead of time a way to say the truth without tearing somebody else up to shreds, right? My body is a gift. All of you, your body is a gift. Stop looking in the mirror and saying how you need to lose 12 pounds, okay? Your body is a gift. Maybe you do need to lose 12 pounds, but it's not a complaint, and it's not a complaining. It's a simple fact. Maybe I should speak to him in love and suggest that a little more diligent application of pit stick might be appropriate instead of just walking around complaining to everybody else, right? Maybe instead of constantly grumbling and whining about my job or the people who run the business I work at, maybe I need to go find another job. If we have Jesus in us, let's go to the next part, praying in the Holy Spirit. If we have Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit is always helping us pray. So am I developing the habit of asking him to help me be more like his version of me than what my version of me might should be? Am I developing, am, and instead of, oh, I'm sorry. That's one of the problems with notes, that if you skip a line, you got to go back to it, and everybody can tell. So you can tell. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. 
So will I be teachable? Will I develop the habit of being teachable by the Holy Spirit? Do I really believe that God's love lives in me? Am I developing the habit of bringing my failures and my mistakes to him without being afraid? Am I really believing that he will forgive me without holding it against me? That's that can kind of blow your mind. It's a habit. He really, really never gives up. Really. God never gives up. If his love lives in me, why don't I believe that? Jesus' mercy is already forever. It's already eternal. He bled one time, one time he bled, and that one time finished us for all time, even when we get to the point where there is no more time. You realize God doesn't have a clock in heaven, right? He is our Lord. He is our Christ. He is our Messiah. Am I habitually allowing his compassion to leak out of my mouth? Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, just a little side note here, you can't stumble if you're not walking. You have to be going somewhere physically in your body in order to stumble. You can just fall out of a chair. But in order to stumble, you actually have to be going and doing, all right? So to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and, 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 and is an important word, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is his joy to make us perfect in the presence of glory. Because if we're not perfect in the presence of glory, anything that's sin in us gets burnt up. That's what he died for. That's what he lives for. This right here, this right here, he told us, remind yourselves, why did I die? Why am I dying? Why did I do this? He did it because he loves us. There's a rule of threes we have in medicine sometimes. The rule of threes says that the body will die three minutes without air. It will die in three days without water. And it will die in 30 days without food. Now, you know, give or take, age, 
basic health of the individual, that can change up or down a little bit, but not by much. It's the same with this right here, okay? Without God's life in us, our spirit suffocates and it dies. Without the blood of Jesus, we dry up, we wither away. And without the bread of life, we starve to death. We just starve to death. And I don't know about you, but when I'm really, really hungry, I don't really care what I'm eating. Bring on the junk food if that's all there is around. But God doesn't want us living on junk food. He wants us living on the good stuff. He wants us living on the real food of life. So as we come this morning to communion, take a couple of minutes and remember why you're coming to communion. You are coming to reiterate and refresh and remind yourselves about your union with the Lord Almighty, our Christ, our God, our Messiah, our Savior. We're recommitting ourselves to him because we're human people and we forget things. I forget things all the time. I can go into a room and totally forget what I, what I came in there for. And then I leave the room and I go out and I remember and then I go back in again and I'll, I don't remember what I came back in for. It, it's never ending circle. We're people, we forget things. And it's like the things that mean the most to us are the things that we forget the easiest. We come to communion. We remember that it was his pleasure to die for us so that we can live with him. So take a couple of minutes, and as you're ready, come on up and receive communion. I'm blank. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.